No more of yesterday's howling over yonder today, sir, is there? I have heard none. Then you may be sure there is none. When these people howl, they howl to be heard. Most people do, I suppose. Ah, but these people are always howling. Never happy otherwise. Do you mean the Marseille people? I mean the French people. They're always at it. As to Marseille, we know what Marseille is. It's in the most insurrectionary tune into the world that was ever composed. It couldn't exist without a longing and marshonging to something or other, victory or death, or blazes or something. The speaker, with a whimsical good humour upon him all the time, looked over the parapet wall with the greatest disparagement of Marseille, and taking up a determined position by putting his hands in his pockets and rattling his money at it, apostrophised it with a short laugh. A long and marshong, indeed. It would be more creditable to you, I think, to let other people along and march on about their lawful business instead of shutting them up in quarantine. Tiresome enough, said the other, but we shall be out today. Out today, repeated the first. It's almost an aggravation of the enormity that we shall be out today. Out! What have we ever been in for? For no very strong reason, I must say. But as we come from the East, and as the East is the country of the plague. The plague! repeated the other. That's my grievance. I have had the plague continually ever since I've been here. I'm like a sane man shut up in a madhouse. I can't stand the suspicion of the thing. I came here as well as ever I was in my life, but to suspect me of the plague is to give me the plague. And I have had it, and I have got it. You bear it very well, Mr. Meagles, said the second speaker, smiling. No, if you knew the real state of the case, that's the last observation you would think of making— I've been waking up night after night and saying, Now I have got it. Now it has developed itself. Now I am in for it. Now these fellows are making out their case for their precautions. Why, I'd as soon have a spit put through me and be stuck upon a card in a collection of beetles as lead the life I've been leading here. Well, Mr. Meagles, say no more about it now it's over, urged a cheerful feminine voice. Over, repeated Mr. Meagles, who appeared though without any ill-nature to be in that peculiar state of mind in which the last word spoken by anybody else is a new injury. Over? And why should I say no more about it, because it's over? It was Mrs. Meagles who had spoken to Mr. Meagles, and Mrs. Meagles was, like Mr. Meagles, comely and healthy, with a pleasant English face, which had been looking at homely things for five and fifty years or more, and shone with a bright reflection of them. There, never mind, father, never mind, said Mrs. Meagles, "'For goodness sake, content yourself with pet.' "'With pet?' repeated Mr. Meagles, in his injured vein. Pet, however, being close behind him, touched him on the shoulder, and Mr. Meagles immediately forgave Marseille from the bottom of his heart. Pet was about twenty, a fair girl with rich brown hair hanging free in natural ringlets, a lovely girl with a frank face and wonderful eyes, so large, so soft, so bright— set to such perfection in her kind good head. She was round and fresh and dimpled and spoilt, and there was in Pet an air of timidity and dependence which was the best weakness in the world, and gave her the only crowning charm a girl so pretty and pleasant could have been without. "'Now I ask you,' said Mr. Meagles, in the blandest confidence, falling back a step himself and handing his daughter a step forward to illustrate his question— I ask you simply, as between man and man, you know, did you ever hear of such damned nonsense as putting pet in quarantine? It has had the result of making even quarantine enjoyable. Come, said Mr. Meagles, that's something to be sure. I am obliged to you for that remark. Now, pet, my darling, you had better go along with mother and get ready for the boat. 
The officer of health and a variety of humbugs in cocked hats are coming off to let us out of this at last, and all we jailbirds are to breakfast together in something approaching to a Christian style again before we take wing for our different destinations. Paddy Corum, stick you close to your young mistress. He spoke to a handsome girl with lustrous dark hair and eyes, and very neatly dressed, who replied with a half-curtsy as she passed off in the train of Mrs. Meagles and Pat. They crossed the bare, scorched terrace all three together, and disappeared through a staring white archway. Mr. Meagles's companion, a grave, dark man of forty, still stood looking towards this archway after they were gone, until Mr. Meagles tapped him on the arm. "'I beg your pardon?' said he, starting. "'Not at all,' said Mr. Meagles.